Amen. It's so good to be back. Last weekend I was in Tyler, Texas, 95 degrees and 100% humidity. Wow. I know. It was, it was crazy. But it was so good. Uh, for those of you who uh, know about what happened there, uh, Andrew Palau, a friend of ours, uh, did an outreach there. It was full circle for me. My wife and I, when I left uh, graduate college, I started working for Luis Palau. My wife and I did. And so we moved to East Texas for six months and in 1995, 24 years ago, to be a part of that outreach. Had no idea. And that was with Luis Palau. And at the time, I wanted Luis's job. I, wanted, I didn't want to take him out. I just wanted him to walk away. And, and so, so 24 years later, to be able to be there with his son, who was new to faith at that time, and to be there and MC and host and speak to people online and see uh, thousands of people respond in faith to Jesus in one weekend, we ought to praise God because he's changing lives. Yes, we ought to praise him. And we ought to praise him that we don't live in 95 degrees and 100% humidity in October. Glory be to the scarf. Anyway. So, uh, so here we are. We're in a series in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And by the way, I said the other day that the dots mean nothing. That was half true. Uh, there is no message there. There's no hidden key to secret success. But the dots signify the fact that we're all in different places, but we're all together. The church in Ephesus is made up of those who were Jewish by background and not Jewish, young and old, rich and poor, slave and free, influential and nobody. And they're all together in different places, one body with one Lord. And so three things I've asked you to do, and I hope that you're following through. I'll put them on the screen. If you're visiting, welcome. Uh, three things I'm asking you to do every single week of this series. Number one, read or listen to Ephesians every week. I'm not going to ask for a raising of hands. I hope you're doing it. Here's why. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Jesus Christ. And the more we saturate our minds on what you're hearing on Sunday, you're going to come and you're going to get an aha because it's not new. You're reading it. Second thing, bring your print Bible, which is a variation for me because I don't use print ever. But bring your print Bible, if you would, if not, keep this one, and a notepad and a pen because we want to move from hearing to doing. And the third thing is to talk about what you're learning. If you don't use whatever knowledge you get in 36 to 72 hours, it fades and it's as if you never heard it. How's that for a discouraging fact? It's an educational principle that's true. So what we want to do is move from hearing about Ephesians, you're reading it all week, you hear something, God begins to touch you and take action. With that in mind, aha, uh, we've got something. I'm going to ask my friends to come forward. They're going to pass. Everyone, every single individual, take one of these. It's a community group discussion guide. And I've been hinting at this for a while. We want to move from listening to action, from hearing about to talking about. And one thing that would be helpful is if we were in a place where we can talk about these things that matter together. So you're going to get one, and it says community group discussion. You say, Jose, I'm not a part of one. That's totally okay. If you're in a community, in one of our 26 West communities, we're going to invite you, uh, unless you already have something fixed for the next seven weeks, to use this as a guide, this will not help you this morning. So this isn't a cheat sheet, and you can't walk out and say, oh, great, I got it, I'm going to watch football. It doesn't work. But I'm asking that you would use this based on what you hear right now, that you would take this, put it in your notepad, put it in your Bible, and if you're not a part of one of our groups, uh, that is fine. Find two or three people that you know that are listening in. If they're a part of this church, it's easy. If not, have them listen to the podcast and then talk about it together. 
All of these are guide to take you further. It's not a recap. It's to build on what you're hearing and to pull out things that we can learn. So the first section, getting to know you. If you're in a group of people that don't know each other well, we just want to grow deep in getting to know one another in more meaningful ways. And then, and then going deeper will, will get us into the text. Does that make sense? So we're going to do it for the next seven weeks. Every week you're going to get one of these when you come in. And then we're going to stop after, that's around Thanksgiving, and we'll pick it up again in the new year. We recognize between Christmas, I mean between Thanksgiving and Christmas that so many people are all over the place. We'll pick it up again in 2020. All right, fair enough. Take that, use it this week. Let's just read the text again. Last week, Steve uh, helped us by looking at Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. We're going to read it again because you have your print Bible. I'm just going to give you the reference but look down. If you don't have the print, uh, then pull it up on your phone and let's read this together. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, praise. I'm going to read with emphasis so you get the point. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he, freely, he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Verse 11. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And hopefully you, you got the point already in him and in, in him. Now, that's a lot. So some of us are newer to reading the Bible. And what's helpful is when you read a section, can you summarize it in one sentence? What's all of that about? It's interesting. Our gathering starts with praise. We don't start with reading the Bible. We start with praise. We look to God. Why? The letter starts with praise. Here's a one-liner, write it down. We ought to praise God because he's revealed his plan to bless us in Jesus. And that's exactly what we read, all of those verses in one line. We ought to praise him. And that's why Paul starts this way. As a matter of fact, all of chapter one is praise and prayer. It's all upward. And this is interesting. Paul is in the middle of prison writing. He is in prison 
because he's owned his faith, he's declared his faith, and others want to snuff him out. So he's falsely put in jail, falsely going to be put on trial. And he's like, you know what? I, I praise God. Here I am in the middle of a messy situation. And so, so I want you to hear this. Praise does not mean everything is going all right in your life. It doesn't mean like, I praise him when, when it's going my way. No, praise ought to be the natural reaction when you recognize that God has revealed to you his plan to bless the world in Jesus. Your eyes have been open. Your ears now hear. You get what billions of people right now don't get. There are billions who don't understand God's love for them. They don't recognize God's love for them. They don't see God's love for them. They don't sense God's love for them. You are a part of the people that know God. And you know God's plan. He's made known his mystery, which is all of what Ephesians is about. There's a mystery. There's a mystery. It's not a mystery like we don't know the ending. That's when I think of the genre of mystery, like you gotta wait till the last page. Now, the mystery is what, what was once hidden has now been made known to everyone who has eyes to see. You and I get it. God loves us. And he's shown his love in Jesus. Now, you are blessed. Now, what's blessing mean? We saw, and Steve gave a great message last week on, on God's design to bless. What does blessing mean in Ephesians? Blessing means all sorts of things in English. But what does it mean in Ephesians? Write this down. God's blessing is to share with us the benefits, and underline that word, of being adopted into God's family. Blessing is benefits. So I can say God has blessed you. According to Ephesians, it means God has benefited you. There are benefits to knowing God. God has benefited you. How? By letting you know you've been adopted into God's family, and that comes with tangible benefits. And so we ought to praise God because he's revealed to us that there's benefits to knowing him. And those benefits come to us in Jesus. Now, three things. We're reading the same text because this is so rich. We could do 25 weeks on this and not scratch the surface. But we're going to narrow it down to two. Um, Three things I want you to write down this morning that have to do with the benefit of knowing God in Jesus. Three things. Number one, write it down. Jesus is the center of God's blessing. And we see that clearly. Look at, look at verse 3 again. It begins with praise, exalted, high above. Be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has benefited us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, and then the caveat, in Christ. So, so Paul, in, in this letter, writes, praise the God, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, right? So he, he realizes that God has revealed himself as Father. God has revealed himself in the Son. God has revealed himself in the Spirit. So he's not saying, hey, there's one dimension of God, one person of God that you need to highlight. He's saying God... God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We ought to praise because God himself has revealed himself and he's made known to us how. We praise him because Jesus is the center. So most of the songs we 
uh, sing here are about Jesus. Why? He's the center of the blessing. Eleven times. Remember he said last week, Steve, this is one sentence with a hundred and plus words. One long sentence. Like Paul's just, he's swept up and he can't even put a period or a comma. He's just swept up in this and he says eleven times in this one time. It's in Jesus. It's through him. It's in the one. It's a hundred percent about Jesus. And we want to get that. And in him is going to show up again and again and again. Now, why is this a big deal? And some of you are saying, like, I don't get it. Why is Paul so caught up with the in Jesus part? Isn't it just in God generic? No, here's why. Because he's writing to a group of people who live like us in a world that the blessing of God is not centered on Jesus. I don't know if you figured it out, but Portland doesn't care about Jesus. People in your, your, where you work, people where you go to school, they don't care. They want God. They want divine. They want spiritual. And who doesn't want benefits, right? We want benefit. And if there's a God, sure, I'd love if he can benefit my life. But we've lost the connection to Jesus. And he's clear here. In Ephesus, we said it earlier in week one, there was a huge synagogue Huge Jewish population. It's a port city. It's a trade city. And the Jewish community was very wise in trade and in business. And so uh, the center of the worship is Yahweh and the Torah, the, the written word of God and Yahweh, the creator of the universe. And Paul says to the, those who have that background, you're almost right. It's almost complete. Yahweh, the creator, is the father who sends the son. The blessing of God is not in God generic. The blessing of God is centered in and through Jesus. Now, that might seem obvious to you. It wasn't obvious in their culture. And then also, there, there were a religious city. We said it. Ephesus was a port city and had this beautiful seven wonders of the world. One of the seven was the temple to Artemis. The Romans called her the goddess Diana. And she was the goddess of fertility. And there was a huge statue that was attributed to her uh, ability to reproduce life. And so people came from all over the known wor world to worship. And the Ephesian people in the culture, they felt like they were called to steward the honor of this goddess. Because life comes from her. And so even if you weren't super religious, you were part of a city that was spiritual because you had some sort of divine connection. The Romans believed in the pantheon of gods. Now here was the challenge, and I think it's a challenge for today. People, if they believe that there's a God, wonder, are they on God's side or not? But it was terrible in these days. There was a fear. People walked around in fear because the gods, the goddesses, interacted with humankind all the time, but you never knew if you were on God's side or not. So worship and the, the desire to appease the gods, because the gods are mostly angry, and you're mostly not for them, and you want to get on their side, and if you get on their side, you can kind of manipulate them to do your will. Kind of like people feel today. Let's be honest. People want to manipulate God. They want God on their terms. They want to turn God to become some puppet that will help benefit their life. We're living in the day just like Ephesus. So what does this mean for the church? Paul begins, 
blessing, the benefit of adoption in God, the benefit of knowing God is in and through Jesus and Jesus alone. So he's not just a way. Hear us. And if you're new to exploring faith, this is going to be the most challenging thought you're going to have to wrestle with. There is no other way to be under the blessing, the benefit of life with God other than Jesus. There is no other way. Now that sounds absolutely exclusive and superior, and it is not. Hear me, we didn't make this up. God, praise God, who's made known to us the mystery, this is what God has done. So I am not saying any other path to God other than Jesus is is just wrong because people are turned in the wrong way and people are influenced in the wrong way. I'm simply saying it's not sufficient. So any other path to God other than Jesus will not get you to God because God knows the way to bring us back. And so we come to him on his terms. And if you don't think this is important, uh, there's a, in terms of Christian uh, statistics, there's a group called the Barna Group, and they're probably better than most at gathering good data. It's just a good data company. And they did a recent uh, questionnaire and survey to find out what people in, in Jesus, us, at different age levels and generations believe. They did a recent one, and, and this is kind of frightening. Here's the question. Would you agree that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus? This is the question asked of Christians. Those who said, self-identified, yes, we belong to Jesus. Would you agree that the best thing that could ever happen is for someone to come to know Jesus? You'd think that would be 100%. Now, previous generations, Gen X, baby, boomer, baby boomers, um, about 82% of Jesus' followers, self-claimed, said, yeah, the best thing that could happen is for someone to come to know Jesus. They asked the same exact question of millennials age 20 to 34, about 65% said that the best thing that could happen is for someone to come to know Jesus. And that doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but that just means fewer in the younger generation are seeing the benefit that the best thing that could happen is someone to encounter Jesus. Okay, you may say, oh, that's not that interesting. Here's another question. Here's a statement. It is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will come to know one day the same faith. It's wrong to share with someone of a different faith. It would be wrong for me to tell you if you're from a different faith uh, with the hopes that, that you would come to that faith. How many uh, millennials, 20 to 34 in a broad swath, 47% agreed with that statement. Almost half of those who self-proclaim belong to Jesus say, oh gosh, I belong to Jesus, but it would be wrong for me to tell you if you're of a different faith with the hope that one day you would encounter the same faith. Almost half are saying they would agree that that's wrong. Here's an interesting sidebar. Non-Christians were asked the same question, you know, or statement, it would be wrong. Only 20% of non-Christians said it would be wrong. Do you see the disparity here? Only 20% of 
Non-Christians said, well, it would be wrong to share my faith with someone else. Whereas almost half of Jesus' followers are saying, I don't know. I don't know if I should share this. We need Ephesians. We need the Bible. Because left to our own cultural sway, we will lose the urgency that Jesus is, hear me, who he says he is. I'm not saying like my version of Jesus is better than your version. I'm just saying the revealed version of Jesus in the scriptures ought to compel us to lovingly, carefully, thoughtfully, relationally tell people there's some benefits like eternal life. So we need to let the word of God, this is why I'm going to harp on this. I have three ideas this morning. I'm spending all of my time on this first one because apart from this one, the others don't even make sense. Jesus is the center of God's blessing, period. If you're in Christ, you have all the benefit, whether you know it or not, believe it or not, live in it or not. You actually have the benefit. Whether you do anything with it, that's up to you. Do you know? In your HR department, there are probably benefits to your job you're not tapping into. There are people who have dental who, go, who don't go to the dentist. There are people with dental insurance. It's paid for, people. Go to the dentist. But there are people who, who have the benefit who don't tap in. It doesn't mean they don't have the benefit. It means they're not tapping into it. And I would dare say there are... Some of you who've yet to tap into what you have in Jesus Christ. And it's better than dental, so the analogy breaks down. You have life in Jesus. And guess what? Anyone can have life in Jesus. So we ought to realize he's the center. Second thing, and the third thing will be quite short. The second, we are blessed, write it down, because we are in Jesus. Quote, unquote. That's the heart of it all. The blessing isn't generic. The blessing, because Jesus is the center of God's blessing, we have it because we've been included. Look at verse 7. All of this says that, but verse 7 I think says it most clearly. In him, in Jesus, what do we have? We have redemption through his blood. And what does that mean? The forgiveness of sins in accordance with with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now, what's redemption? This is a Bible word, and it's traced all throughout the Bible. Whenever you and I leave God's path, we become enslaved to our own selves. You keep reading Ephesians, when you get to it, we're actually enslaved by the enemy, the devil himself. And we have no choice but to live under the weight of our own sinfulness. We sin by nature, we sin by action, and we can't help but be kept apart from God because of our own sinfulness. Redemption was a word used in the first century in terms of taking a slave and bringing them to freedom, which usually included a slave price. And so what, what Paul says is there are so many dimensions to the blessing of Jesus, but this one is central. You and I were not in relationship with God. We are enslaved to sin and sin leads to death. And in Jesus... How? Through his blood, through the cross, through the resurrection. He who knew no sin became the sin offering for us so that we could come alive. We could be made whole. So this may not seem like a big deal to you. And because you're in church, assuming you come every Sunday, 52 Sundays a year, you may think that this is old news. This is never old news. 
God, who knew no sin, sends his son to stand in my place, to pay the weight of my sin, and in his own, the life in the Jewish mindset is in the blood. You drain yourself of blood, you're dead. Life is in here. And so God didn't just give us a Band-Aid. God gave us his very life. Jesus, the Son of God, really died and bled and gave so that, why? He could be an example of what it means to be sacrificial love. Yes, but no. It's so that he could pay my sin debt in full and I could be brought to life. So Paul makes the connection, redemption through his blood, what is that? The forgiveness of sin. So if you're in Jesus, your sin is forgiven. And, and we ought to remember this. Jesus is the center of God's blessing, and we are blessed because we're included in him. Now, we did an entire series on this called The New You. So I won't replay it, but there's a, we've got a podcast, video, and audio, and I would encourage you to listen again. In light of what I just said, all of these benefits, so it is redemption. We are paid. God paid our debt so that we could be included in life. It's all in him, and there are many other benefits and the new you kind of tease that out. But here's the greatest truth, is that in God, you are loved. And you can experience his presence, and you can know his fullness, and you can walk in a whole new way of living because Jesus made it possible. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And that is a game changer. And if you don't, fully understand that keep reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit will rewire your brain to understand God's thoughts. Sometimes we don't act different because we don't think different. And if you want to change your life, don't change your actions first. Change the way you see reality. And you need to know you have been redeemed. You've been brought into the right with God even if you still jack up often, a.k.a. everyone else here does. Everyone's messed up in their behavior. But I am no longer a sinner. I am a child of God who is being made holy, which means sometimes I do sin, but I am no longer a sinner. That's not my identity. I'm not dead. I'm alive in Christ and unless we, unless we come to life with that mindset, I will continue to think, well, I'm just a boo. No, I'm not. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I belong to God. And that will change the way you see yourself in the world. Third thing, and we want to apply it out. Write it down. God's blessings are seen and unseen. Or I'll do unseen first. God's blessings are unseen and seen. Look at verses 8 and 9. So some of you say, well, God's benefited. He's blessed us. I don't understand how. Verses 8 and 9. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. In other words, not everyone knew this. There was a time when nobody knew this. According to his good pleasure, and here's the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ. So God's will was always to send his son, always. We just didn't know it. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. In other words, God is bringing blessing to us, but there's more that we haven't seen yet. You haven't seen all that God is, 
the mystery has been revealed to us, we don't know all of the benefits. Some are coming to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I want to focus on the in heaven, which is unseen, and on earth, which is seen. So we'll start with this. God's blessings are unseen. Here in this passage, he uses terms like spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And that's not like, I have every spiritual blessing in heaven. What in the the world is that? I'm going to choose to use the word unseen because I think when we hear spiritual, heavenly, we think not real. We think out there. And I I want to debunk that and tell you heaven is God's space and God is working in you. So in a very real way, heaven has come to earth in your life. God's reality. So this is where unseen is better than spiritual or heavenly places. God is working in our life in unseen ways. So there are things I don't, I don't see. But it doesn't mean they're not real. Let me, let me give you an example of it. We'll go back to verse 5. What's the unseen? Well, he chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is unseen. Before God even made planet Earth, he had already chosen, I'm going to have a holy people because of Jesus. Before he invented time, this is unseen. I, I, I wasn't there. I can't quantify it. I can't put it in the test tube. It's real. You just need to know, this is absolutely real. Before God even made it, he knew our waywardness, and he said, ha-ha, I'm going to have a holy people that belong to me. And Jesus, my son, is going to make it real. Watch. And then all of history has been catching up with God's thoughts from the beginning. It's unseen. Here's another one, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. That is, before I came to faith, God knew the way for me to be holy was to be adopted into his family because his family is holy. God said, this is how I'm going to do it. How am I going to do it? Through Jesus, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace. As, as Steve said this week, and I need to emphasize it, the text here is not about some people being chosen before the creation of the earth to be made children of God, and some people being chosen before the creation of the earth to not be made children of God. Here, he's not talking about any individual. It's 100% in plural. In other words, what Paul is thinking about is not, was Jose chosen before the creation of the earth to be wholly adopted one of the children of God, or did God choose to reject me? Did God choose to reject Jose? That is not Here's the problem. That's not the question that Paul is asking. How do I know that? He's talking to the church. He is saying, you, God's people, are the ones that God was thinking about before the creation of the world. All of you. And guess what? All of you are in it, not because of your behavior, not because of your church attendance, not because of your Bible reading plan, but because of Jesus. You are the holy. You are the blameless. You're the son. You're the daughter. And we need to remember that. These are unseen things. I 
I don't see that. I'm adopted. I don't see that, do, do I? In human terms, adoption, we have adoption papers. In unseen terms, verse 13, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, a seal. You are mine. Here's a challenge. I don't see the Holy Spirit. I see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. So it's real. Hear me. Real blessing. Real, real, real. I just don't see it. There are lots of things that are real. I don't see the air in this room, but it's real. I'm breathing it. It's real. So there are real unseen blessings. And the second one, God's blessings are seen. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, verse 8. In Jesus, we have redemption through blood. God's blessings are seen. In other words, Jesus is God made visible. So there are unseen things like the mind of God before the creation of the earth. I don't get that. But we can look in real evidence, in real history, and Jesus was a real man who walked on a real planet and really died and gave his life as a ransom for the many, including you. Jesus really rose from the grave and really is alive and really ate and drank and talked with his disciples. And this is why the Bible witness is so important because this isn't made up stuff. God has really in seen ways, done things. So what does that mean? It means God's blessings to me are unseen, but if that were only it, it would leave this faith very lacking. Because then it would be like, well, life's hell, but one day I'm gonna get to heaven and everything's gonna be okay. And that's okay, it's just not the right story. How do I know this? Jesus calmed the storm. He spoke to nature because his disciples were scared to death and said, wind cease. And the wind said, yep, we chill in your name. We will stop. The waves go to silence. Jesus heals. Forty different occasions in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of very specific ways that Jesus took broken bodies, broken minds, and made them well again. In other words, Jesus' blessings are seen. Jesus provides for tangible needs. There are people who are hungry on the hillside and don't have, they don't have in and out. They don't have food. They don't have, I'm thinking in and out because I was in Dallas and evidently in and out made it to Dallas, folks, in case you go there. Yeah. And, and they don't have food. What does Jesus say? Oh, bread and fish? No problem. Everybody eat. He provides real bread. Jesus casts out evil. There are people who are disturbed because of evil forces, real unseen forces. The problem with the word spiritual forces is you immediately think, eh, it's out there. No, unseen realities that are affecting people's life and behavior, and Jesus says, be gone. And it's gone. Jesus, case in point, raises Lazarus from the dead. Four days dead. I dare you to go and hang out with someone who's been four days dead. I dare you. But Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And he has no choice but to submit unto the leadership of Jesus. And what I want us to remember is that life isn't easy. 
and being blessed, benefited in the adoption of God through Jesus, does not mean my life is easy, but hear me, there are unseen benefits I'm adopted. I'm chosen. God is with me right now. He's given me the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing what's to come. I don't even know the future benefits, but I've got a guarantee. And there are seen benefits. Hear me. God is working in the now. So Jesus told his disciples, pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth, in the seen, as it is in the unseen. Forget the heaven part. Unseen. In the areas where we don't see God, your will, may we see your will happen here and now. Now that's the good news if you're in Jesus. Verse 13 is where we need to end because here's the bad news if you're not in Jesus. Look at, look at the condition. What is the one condition? Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the good news of your salvation. When you believed, not before. When you trusted, not before. When you put the full weight of your life on Jesus, not before. When you believed, you were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the condition is that you have actually believed. And so hear me, friend, it was so thrilling to be in an open area. They, they, they shut off the entire two main streets in downtown Tyler and built a stage right in the middle of an intersection. It was crazy. And the whole town came out. And the highlight was at the end and giving people an opportunity to respond and say, I believe. And there were people, now Tyler, man, is a church-going place. Probably 70% of people actually go to church in Tyler. It's like the Bible Belt. But that doesn't mean they believe. That doesn't mean they're trusting Jesus. And so I don't want to assume that because you're here this morning that you actually have transferred your trust from yourself and your own effort onto Jesus who died and rose again to give you life. And so what do we need to do? We need to answer this question. Are you included in Christ? And if not, you can be, hear me. When you heard the good news and mixed the hearing with, I believe, I believe Jesus, you are God's son and you are God's savior and I need to be saved. So that's, that's one dimension. Second one, are you longing for God's presence in your life? Well, the response to this is praise. Paul says, praise be to God. I want more, God, I want more. And I wonder if we feel that way. I wonder if we've just gone what I call Christian satisfied. I've had my shot of Jesus like the flu shot, and I'll see you next season. That's it. I wonder if we're hungry for more. Paul's response is praise. I want, I want more. God, God. And, and I'm asking, do you want more? Or have you become satisfied? And lastly, are, 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 you, are you longing to live like Jesus? Because the result of the inner transformation, the unseen, is a seen transformation. It doesn't make you part of God's family, but if I've been internally changed by the power of God, it needs to show up in the real world. And I'm just wondering if you long for that. If you don't long for that, I begin to wonder if you've actually believed. I'm not asking you to doubt whether Jesus has rescued you, but I would say if you actually don't care about living more like Jesus at all, 
I wonder if the Spirit is actually at operation in your life. And this morning, here's the good news. No matter where you are, you can take the next step. Take the next step. If you've not yet found life in Jesus this morning, find life in him. If you have, but it's grown like steady, inoculated, I really don't have the passion, then invite God by the Holy Spirit to break the things in your life that are keeping you, break them, that are keeping you from experiencing the fullness of life. And if you'll feel discouraged and left alone and beaten down by life, hey, be of good cheer. Christ is in you. And you're a new person. And so you can ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of all that Christ is doing so that you can walk with a different mindset. And if you're struggling, you realize Jesus is with me and I can make it because Christ is right here. All right, I'm gonna invite you to stand and we wanna respond. And if we could stand together, put your Bible aside for just a moment.